0: Welcome back to another edition of the Designated for Assignment podcast. Rob Wong, Josh Goldberg with you as always. You can get us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong 34 and at Jay Goldberg 12. Josh, our last podcast was uh, on Wednesday following a Blue Jays victory. The uh, Jays finding a way to salvage one game in that three game set against the Oakland A's. Little did we know that five days later we would be talking about The Blue Jays dropping four in a row in Seattle, all of them just in disgusting Gross fashion, the Blue Jays go one and six on the road trip from hell. They are now uh losers of nine of their last 10 games. They are tied for the third wild card spot, but I guess not really technically because the Mariners now hold the uh tiebreaker um over them at this point. It's obviously not a situation where the playoffs are ending anytime soon, but just of note that the Mariners currently do have that tiebreaker on the Jays if the season were to come to a close with them tied at the wild card, but Boy, oh boy, Uh, things are not great in Blue Jays land right now. Twitter has been just absolutely on fire for the last week. Um, Lots to get to on this edition of the program, but uh, what do you have to say about uh, what we saw not only just this weekend, but uh, the last week uh, with the Blue Jays and what they did out West?
1: One of the worst weeks of baseball I can ever remember watching, and I've watched a lot of shitty baseball we have, we both have. We all have. Everyone who's listening to this program, if you're a fan or covered or it, are in some capacity connected to Blue Jays baseball, basically over the my lifetime, certainly the last 20 some odd years, there have been some dreadful weeks. But considering everything that this season we thought was going to be, or in some cases, might have supposed to be one in six against the Oakland A's and Seattle Mariners. Like I understand Seattle underachieved and and they're not some bad team. It's that's as bad as bad can be. And you were a stone's throw away from being 0 and 7. Like they had to rally and scrape by 2-1 to get the one win on the road trip. And, you know, how many times in, in the past where the GAs have been like sort of on the precipice of playoff contention, whether it's been July or August or September, have they gone out West and just completely shit the bed and a season that had some promise went the other direction on the West coast. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to be the case here, but there are a lot of problems right now. And the solutions are, well guys just have to play better. And you know, like I think that that's a fair bet that certain guys will perform better, but This team, as currently constituted to me, like to me it's more of a talented team than a good team right now. There's a lot of talent here, and if you look at teams like the Rays who are often better than the sum of their parts, the Jays are not better than the sum of their parts. They're not even as good as the sum of their parts. Maybe their parts aren't as good as we thought that they were going to be or should have been this year, but they have to find a way internally to play better, and they have to find a way to get guys in here who can address – the glaring areas of weakness on this ball club right now, which I think to to some extent took turns kind of rearing their head this, this week. And especially in Seattle chief among them, the bullpen and an inability to miss bats. And, you know, I, I just, until something changes, why should we expect that much to be different? Like they're not, are they going to rip off a run where they win 10 in a row? Maybe because they do have that talent, but the issues are the issues here, and teams are going to be able to take advantage of them until you find a way to minimize them at the very least.
0: You know, well, generally when you rip off, uh, like we've seen with the Mariners and their nine-game win streak, generally you need both things to be working at the same time. You yep. can't just have one thing being amazing and then the other thing not being good, and that's sort of what's held back the Blue Jays this year, that the pitching and the hitting have never synced up. The pitching was great for the first month and a half, um and then the bats went uh, in the tank uh, the blue jays obviously squeaked out a lot of wins cuz they were able to get some timely hits and then in you know half of june the bats went crazy but the pitching was a mess and you know right now on this recent stretch i would say i mean the pitching Outside of the one game where the Blue Jays went with the opener, Anthony Bonda and Casey Lawrence, you know, some of the games against the Rays. I mean, the pitching has done its job. They they pitched some pretty good ball games uh, over this last week out West. Just the bats did not come through. And I mean, Sunday was just uh, a shit show. The ball going through Vladdy's glove, Gabby Moreno dropping a pop up that he should catch. As a major league catcher, what, 95 times out of 95 times? I was going to say 95 out of 100. But it's like, I mean, if you're a major league player, uh, you should catch that ball. Like, that's a can of corn. Get yourself in position. Catch that ball. So let's say 99 uh, out of 100. But just a complete mess uh, of a ball game uh, on Sunday after the Blue Jays went up five one in that game but just just overall just nothing has come together uh, at the right time uh, for for this ball club and I saw you and somebody were going at it on Twitter I don't remember who it was but Mm -hmm. you know they were saying I think something to the degree of you know this team is not underperforming and you were like they are underperforming like you just look at the track records of a lot of these guys and You know, I don't think it was realistic to expect Vladdy to have the season that he did a year ago. I was expecting it to be better um, than it has been. You know, 130 WRC plus is nothing to, um, you know, shake your head at. But I think we all know that there's more in there for him to give. Same with Bo Bichette. Uh, But, you know, maybe we have to change our expectations on some of the other guys, you know, George Springer got off to an incredible start this season. And I know right now, uh, seemingly every part of his body is aching and battered and bruised. And I mean, he had a couple of nice swings there uh, in Seattle, Uh, but this is a guy through, you know, the last couple of years has been a you know, 140 plus WRC plus guy. And maybe now at the age of 32, starting to slow down a little bit. I think you would expect that with, you know, aging curves. So maybe this is more of who George Springer is at this point of his career. Uh, Matt Chapman, who we were expecting a bounce back, maybe is a league average hitter you know teoska hernandez who has been great the last couple of years you know he's a streaky guy from time to time and you know maybe this is kind of who he is and lourdes Goriel, you know we know we're gonna get there you look at this roster there's really only one guy that has outperformed expectations and it's alejandro kirk i mean santiago espinal while he's been you know solid this year has come back to earth as far as a, a hitter you know, league average guy, once again, not bad. Uh, he's a, a solid everyday, you know, player for this team, but he's not someone that's going to carry the offense and you don't need him to. Um, so yeah, you look at this whole squad as far as the bats go. And there's only one guy that's really bringing it right now. Uh, And even Kirk to an extent has slowed down a little bit here. I don't think it was realistic to expect him to be where he was, you know, prior to um, this, this past week, but you know, that's just the situation we're in here where I think it's true. Like this team, like you said, is talented. Are they good? That remains to be seen, but they definitely are underperforming at this point.
1: Yeah. There's, there's no question about it. And you look, we, I think, everyone is complicit to some extent. You know, you looked at last year and the positive run differential and and the fact that everyone was so young and sure they were losing Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon, but, you know, Matt Chapman and Kevin Gosman, and and you thought that, you know, everything would sort of be as it was to some extent. And then other guys might be able to take a step forward. And we probably should have in hindsight, you always, you know, you're always blessed with the benefit of hindsight, like thought a little bit, well, you know, is everyone going to be able to just at the very least replicate what they did, if not take a step forward. And maybe we weren't simultaneously expecting most of the major principles to take a half, a full, or maybe even two steps back in some cases based on their performance last year. That's essentially what's happened. And like you said, nothing has clicked at the same time. You're just taking turns with one facet of your game uh, going strong, and then another facet, uh, not. And you look at yesterday, pitching was mostly good. Uh, I thought Max Casio did a pretty good job. Hitting was good enough, right? You scored five runs, but you know your defense and your bullpen took their turn. And the defense, I think, has been largely very good. So yesterday was more of an anomaly based on how they played this year. But the bullpen, I just continue to harken back to it. They just look at what Seattle did. Like they, we, you talked last week, you mentioned mutants, which I I'm also a huge fan of in terms of the term (laughs) for relievers who just have monster stuff and can miss bats and can come in and leverage and get easy outs. I know high leverage outs are never quote unquote easy, but it looked, it sure looked easy for, you know, Munoz. And I like Diego Castillo ran into a little bit of trouble, But Seattle had that in spades, even with Ken Giles going down. And the Jays just have none of that, zero. Like, I know Jimmy Garcia has been pretty good, but he's not overpowering. He kind of commands that 95 on the corner, can raise it in the zone, get some swings and misses. I think he's a pretty effective reliever. Romano to an extent as well, mostly. But other than that, there's nobody who you look at and be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to come in and and strike two guys out on 14 pitches and get the job done and ho-hum. They they so rarely have ho hum high leverage innings. It's just so taxing, and you bring into what into effect what happened yesterday, where you're relying on ground balls, and yeah, sure, the ball through the glove, that sort of stuff can happen. But that's what happens. Sometimes things can happen when the ball is put in play. Things can sometimes happen that are unexpected. Like it's just the way that it goes strikeouts are tangible like strikeouts. There's no other outcome that can be brought into effect outside of a wild pitch reaching, which I guess can happen, but strikeouts are the great equalizer for leverage and for bullpens and the Jays just don't have it right now. And until they do, this is just, it's going to continue to be a problem that is going to really bite them in the ass. And the odd time right now, they do happen to have a lead it's a tall task for this bullpen to consistently get it done. And more often than not, they have blinked in the situation where you'd love them to be able to do a better job locking it down.
0: Yeah. It it was just hard to watch the Seattle Mariners of all teams. Just, you know, have mutant after mutant coming out of the bullpen. And like Andres Munoz is the most mutant of all mutants. Like it's a hundredth hundredth percentile fastball that he's got. Like the guy throws one Oh three, uh, with that nasty slider, uh, Canada's own Matt Brash, who, you know, has become a reliever here with the Mariners after starting the season in the rotation. Like, I, I know that he had that crazy, uh, at bat with Luis uh, Lourdes Gurriel jr. Who was fouling off everything, but like there's another guy throwing hundred miles an hour with a, a nasty slider, even that Matthew Festa guy, he has like a 31% K rate that would like lead the blue Jays as far as, you know, strikeouts go. And I understand that, you know, strikeouts, While they're amazing, aren't the be all and end all of getting outs, you know, looking at some of the stats here um, just over the last month, as far as bullpens go, you know, I see that the Texas Rangers, they have a 270 ERAs for their bullpen, they have a lower strikeout rate than the Blue Jays pen does over um, that month, the Blue Jays ERA, by the way, is 484. But you just scroll up and you look at the top ten, you know, bullpens for the last thirty days, and as far as strikeout rate goes, and all of them have sensational numbers as far as ERA goes. Like you need that swing and miss. Yesterday we saw it in the sixth inning, you know, when Carlos Santana is standing on second base after Tim Mays's wild pitch. You know, in a scenario where you could have an Andres Munoz or a Matt Brash or someone that can get whiffs, you know, you're leaving that guy stranded on second base. Uh, it's not a scenario where the ball bounces off Tim Mays's glove and then he's got runners at first and third and then the next batter up I think it was Cal Raleigh sacrifice fly and we've got a tie ball game yeah like that's what the effect of having strikeouts can do is that you can you know limit those situations that you know with guys that aren't getting misses and they're getting the ball put in play you bring in sacrifice flies you bring in you know rbi ground outs into play um so your you know margin of error is just so much more slim uh for the blue jays when you're hanging on to a two run or a one run lead um so you know, we talk about it all the time. This bullpen needs more swings and misses. I don't know where um, they're necessarily going to get them from yeah. because everybody's looking for swing and miss uh, in the bullpen. And, you know, now you look at the situation where the Mariners have crept back into it. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, Jesus for God's sake, Christ. are two games back of the Blue Jays uh, for, you know, fourth in the American League and obviously two games back at the third wildcard spot. You know, that takes out two teams. That maybe had things gone awry, they could be potential trade candidates for Mm -hmm. the Blue Jays. So you know, it's just so tough now that less teams because of this extra wild card are uh, now finding themselves in spots where, you know, if things bounce the right way, they might get in. So they're not as uh, willing and ready to just sell off and uh, move some players like they would have been maybe a few years ago without that third wild
1: card. Yeah, 100%. You, you've allowed other teams back into the mix now and you're competing with plenty of other teams. Everyone wants bullpen arms. You can never have too many Uh, down the stretch and if you fancy yourself a playoff team so especially with the list of defined sellers shrinking and condensed yeah you're there's going to be competition and like I have seen some some people have been tweeting at me well the GA should sell or they should stand pat I understand I understand that inclination right now the team's playing like ass like that's the only word for it
0: we did this Uh, last year
1: yeah, Remember no Robbie selling. Ray,
0: Marcus Semien to the Blue Jays. move yeah. either one of these guys I, and just reset. I,
1: let's not do that again. Like, I understand. Does it, is this team going to win the World Series this year? I would bet against it like a lot would need to happen. But I still think if you have a chance to make the playoffs, you owe it to your team. You owe it to your fans. you just owe, You just owe it to yourself if you're a front office to take your best chance at it. Like remember, I think it was 2012, the Jose uh, Bautista, Casey Jansen, calling out Alex Anthopoulos for not adding. He went out, made the infamous Marlins trade, and you know everything kind of snowballed from there. But I think you owe it to your team. Maybe they haven't given you that much to say, well, why should I trade in prospects to go out there? Like I just think that if you're if you're a talented team, which I think that this is, and you feel like there are moves out there that can fortify some things and make you better, good, whatever you want to say about it, then you have to try your best to go out there and do it. like you can't be punting on seasons when you're in the throes of a playoff race. I I just I don't subscribe to that logic. I don't like that loser mentality. How much shit baseball have we watched here over the years? I understand that it's easier to get into the playoffs now because of the expanded format but aren't you sick of, well, a uh, standing pad or neutral or in a holding pattern or selling at the deadline? Now you're in an era where you should be looking to be aggressive. Like, it's a, a big, sprawling metropolis of a city. I understand that the ownership, uh, you know, is spotty sometimes when it comes to spending dough, but, like, go for it. I, I just, I, I do not want that loser mentality creeping back in where you're thinking, oh, well, this team... Not worth it. Sell off. Like, what is selling going to get you? Some mediocre prospects that who knows what they're going to turn into. Probably nothing. Like, let's not play that game.
0: Yeah, and I think this would be a different scenario if the Blue Jays were way out of it. Like, if they were the Angels, sure, then we'd have real conversations about what the hell do you do here. Like, do you actually move some of these guys? But you're still tied for a wild card spot, and it's been ugly. It's been awful. You Mm -hmm. know, losing nine of ten and losing you know, four games in a row to the goddamn Seattle Mariners, but you're still in it. You're two and a half back of Boston for the first wildcard spot where you get to host three home playoff games. And, and you're right. Uh, you know, is this team a world series contender is currently constituted Absolutely not. But, you know, you make a few moves, you bring in some impact guys and you at least make it interesting, you know, come playoff time, we always see it. The best team doesn't always win. Uh, Any team can get hot in a seven game series and advance to the next round. It happens all the freaking time. Um, So that's not to say the Blue Jays are that team, but you know, they're not in a situation here where they're selling. Like, just no. people need to get that out of their minds, out of their brains. They're not moving anybody to get futures. You know, maybe they won't get the impact guys or the big name, uh, you know, trade candidates out there. But, you know, we said it last week. We'll be very shocked if they just don't do anything and they just let it ride out. The one thing we'll, we'll, I will say, they're not going to overpay. So they never have. They've always been very... Um, they've been, you know, sticklers as far as value goes, uh, they make sure that, uh, you know, at the very least, you know, maybe it's a break even as far as the value goes, but they're not going to, you know, give a King's ransom. Maybe this is the year. I don't know. Uh, if Shoei Otani becomes available, maybe say, fuck it, let's do it. And you just go balls to the wall. But, uh, just historically, we have not seen this front office just you know, go full uh, you know AJ Preller and just give you everything you possibly want so he can get his guy. That's that's not this front office.
1: No, it isn't, and I don't think that like I don't think that it necessarily should be. Like I'm generally team trade prospects. I have always been that way, but I mean, I'm not just well trade your best prospects for rental relievers. Like if you identify the right deals, absolutely trade. No prospect should be untouchable. Like I understand that. Everyone's very connected to Arelvis Martinez and and Gabby Moreno and whoever else uh, in the system, Ricky Tiedemann. I understand that those guys could very well be great major leaguers and help the blue Jays a lot in the future. But if you identify a situation where like the right player comes available, who can help you for uh, the immediate future and maybe the next season or two more than you, I think that those guys can, uh, going forward or, or in that time, then yeah, you have to consider that. You have to look at that possibility. And I, I do think that they sort of proved that they might be open to it with the Barrios trade last year. I understand that he's not having a great year and, and what have you, but Austin Martin and Simeon Woods-Richardson are not exactly lighting the world on fire. And the Twins will probably look to move either or both of those guys now that they're back in contention again. They might look to move those guys at a reduced cost considering where they were 12 months ago or 18 months ago or what have you. So that's the world of trading prospects. Like it's not always going to work out either way. Like, yeah, some guys may end up going on to be great and some may end up not amounting to anything. It's always a calculated risk and you just have to trust your evaluation process uh, that will lead you in the right direction. And you'll be the one more often than not on the better end of the deal.
0: God, I just hope the Jays do something before next week's show, because I feel like we've been talking about it forever, you know, people just wanting to know, what are the Jays going to do? What do you think they move? And we're just like, we'll see, because they haven't done anything. They've picked up guys off the scrap heap, of course, with romo and uh bonda and matt peacock who you know got sent down to triple a um so the blue jays thinking maybe there's something there but uh, just a depth option at this point but as far as you know actual trades yeah nothing has gone on yet so uh, i'll just say so. yeah
1: I, I sorry there i'll say about romo everyone was like kind of getting their hopes up you know he's slinging that frisbee slider <laughs> in and everything was looking good lo and behold first leverage opportunity gives up a three-run bomb like No, Sergio Romo, like, I understand he might have some moment, but if you have an opportunity to find somebody, you DFA him, he's gone. Like, you don't even hesitate. There should be no feeling of anything Mm -hmm. about Sergio Romo. Like, he's a stopgap. I think that's probably what they're looking at him as. But you should be aggressively looking to replace him. Don't get... I wouldn't say don't get enticed by him having success up or down five runs in the sixth inning. Like that to me is meaningless. It, it's irrelevant.
0: Yeah. He's, he's the last guy you want in a leverage situation uh, in this bullpen swing and slinging that uh, Frisbee slider, like you said. Um, so it was not great. It's always tough, you know, to come in in extra innings. Um, but yeah, he's not uh, the answer there. So if they do need to make room on the roster, then he definitely, is the guy so you know we talked about the team and their underperformance so far and a lot of the chatter also surrounding changes you know elsewhere you know outside of the roster uh, with the coaching staff do you do something whether it's firing the manager firing the pitching coach firing the bullpen catcher uh you know somebody's got to go right like that's that was a lot of the conversation um especially after sunday you can't come back tuesday with the same people, you got to do something to get this, uh, get the spark, the team, kick them uh, in the butt. And look, I understand, you know, that mentality for, for a lot of sports fans, uh, because we see it all the time in other sports, whether it's basketball or hockey, um, even football, you know, team fires their manager or their coach middle of the season and a team goes on a run or they don't. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Angels right now. They fired Joe Madden, and since then, they've been like the worst team in baseball, has done absolutely nothing for them. And it's pretty evident that it's more of a, a personnel situation for them. And as you said, I think that's what we're looking at here for the Blue Jays. It's not the coaching staff. Um, That is an issue. It's there, the players on the field and the fact that the front office has not provided this team with enough options as far as uh, pitching goes, but the conversation surrounding Charlie, I don't think just will stop until this team, you know, either makes the playoffs or gets into a very comfortable position where, uh, you know, we're not talking about those things anymore, but uh, you know. I just think it was unrealistic to think, especially, you know, on today where for people that don't know um, the blue Jays coaching staff was flying out to, uh, you know, uh, be at uh, the funeral for Mark Budzinski's daughter, Julia, who tragically passed away a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, just from a person standpoint, I mean, Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, even if they wanted to do something uh, today, would be the absolute worst time to do anything. Uh, You would just look like the worst human beings uh, on planet earth, but once again, this is not a front office that overreacts to too much. Um, we've seen, you know, worse situations. I think that Charlie and his staff have been in before and people calling for their heads. So this is nothing new. Um, it's just sort of the latest fire that needs to be uh, put out. But uh, for me, the the conversation around Charlie, you know, we had it last week. Maybe he's not our favorite manager, but at the end of the day, I mean, what affects the managers truly have you know outside of a few things here or there firing charlie i don't think would change anything and if and if it did it would just give people i guess you know a spot to be like oh look you know the blue jays have won 10 in a row because they fired charlie no not the fact that vladimir guerrero jr is all of a sudden you know hitting balls 115 miles an hour again and having good approaches at the plate and same with Bo Bichette. like it's oh it's got to be the charlie thing so like I said, the conversations are going to keep happening uh, until the blue Jays get better. Uh, But where do you stand on, on all the, the Charlie chatter, if you will.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. It's relentless. I will say, you know, if they were to fire him, I wouldn't be upset about it. Like I, I don't, I agree. I don't think he's, I don't think he's some master tactician. I've said this from the get go. Like I, I, and I said last week, whenever, because that's the way it works in, in the business as a coach or manager, what have you. You're hired to get fired. So whenever he he does, whenever it is, I would be surprised if he gets another managerial job. And like, maybe I'm wrong on that. I've been wrong plenty of times before, but like you look at the Phillies, they can Girardi and they bring in, you know, his his bench coach, I believe it was, who's been with him forever and Rob Thompson and they start winning games. Like it's, it's an extension of Girardi. So it's not as if it's like, well, you brought in a totally new take on things, and that's why you're winning. Guys are playing better; they have a lot of talent. You know, Kyle Schwarber's been red hot. They've been pitching better. That's why they're winning games. Like, I don't think Charlie is the reason. He's not the big out-out uh, come maker here. Like, it's not him that is leading the charge for this ball club losing games. Yeah, there are some decisions, some choices that leave something to be desired. I, I don't argue that at all. I mean, you look at the personnel right now, especially in the bullpen, who do you want pushing the buttons there? Like, yeah, maybe sometimes you, you push things a little bit differently and leads to a better result, but the personnel is the personnel and it's not going to matter. And if your offense is inconsistent, it's not going to matter what the lineup configuration is. If you're starting pitching is inconsistent, it's not going to matter what what you do and how you align things. So like, if you wanted to do it to shake things up, sure. But I don't think that, it's going to make that much of a difference. I honestly, a part of me hopes that something gives just so I don't have to hear this bullshit anymore on every day. in my mentions, you know, people fire the manager that will fix everything. Like, okay, like let's, let's t- put that theory to the test. Honestly, I, that's where <laughs> I'm at at this point, just to see what happens. But I don't think that there's some tangible cause and effect Maybe for five games, you get a—it's just like you get a shot in the arm or or a kick in the ass in this case. Because well, somebody lost their job. The player should look at it as an indictment on them that they're not playing well. Because you can't fire all the players. That's how it works. You fire the coach, you fire the manager, general manager. Because you can't fire all the players. So that's usually the first domino to fall. Like uh, this front office doesn't strike me as that type. Like you said, I would be surprised unless things really went off the deep end here. Like. They keep losing before the All-Star break, Mm -hmm. maybe then. But this strikes me as more of an after-the-season situation. You start fresh and not have somebody come in on the fly. But if it were to happen, I would expect it would be John Schneider who would finish out this season if it were to happen.
0: You would think. And, you know, maybe this is a situation we do see it from time to time. Uh, Maybe it happens after the All-Star break. Maybe it happens tomorrow where, you know, Ross Atkins has – a media availability yeah and he gets asked about it and he says you know what charlie's our guy mm-hmm. i mean i think we might see something like that where he uh, stands behind his manager but again this is not like hockey this is not basketball even football like you know in those situations yeah you change the voice in the room or you change to a different coach so you could Implement a different strategy, different defensive system, offensive system. Like that's what happens there. You change to John Schneider, he's not all of all of a sudden gonna be like, you know, putting in a new offensive system. Like that's not how it works in baseball. Like they're gonna do a lot of the same things because you know the front office has a lot to say in how things go. And it's a collaborative effort, as the Blue Jays always say. So I don't think you're going to see John Schneider in there, and all of a sudden he's going to start doing things wildly different than what Charlie did before. Like, that's just not how it works uh, in baseball. A lot of times, you know, I think it is just for show. Like, I think if we're being honest, you know, managers getting fired just to, you know, make it seem like the front office or the organization is doing something. And even now, despite all, you know, how poorly they've played. You know, we haven't heard any rumblings that, oh, the players or there's, you know, been some internal talk about making some moves like that just hasn't happened. Usually you do hear, you know, some rumblings about that is so and so on the hot seat and, you know, things start creeping out about, you know, the players aren't very happy with what's going on. We've heard none of that. Right. Like with regards to uh, Charlie Montoyo. So uh, sorry to all those people that uh, want Charlie gone. Like you said, Josh, maybe uh, we are wrong and, uh, you know, we come back next week and John Schneider's the new manager of the Blue Jays, but uh, I would bet against that uh, at this point. Uh, So some other things we need to talk about. You mentioned before, Max Castillo uh, looking really good. Uh, in his uh, stint here with the Blue Jays outside of that uh, first outing against the New York Yankees. He has looked very, very good uh, against the uh, Rays against the um, Seattle Mariners in his uh, seven innings over the weekend in a couple of outings for the blue Jays. And, you know, I said it yesterday after uh, his performance that I think he's locked down a spot here for the time being. I mean, if you asked anybody, I think with the blue Jays fans, media, whoever, who do you want starting a game right now? You say Kikuchi or Max Castillo. I think it's pretty evident which guy people are going with right now. And uh, Kikuchi, obviously on the IL with uh, everybody's favorite injury, the next strain, which uh, is going around to a lot of pitchers with uh, shitty numbers this year. But uh, I think it's a situation where you roll with Castillo and even when Kikuchi's back, I mean, do you, I mean, we'll see, I mean, we'll see where Castillo's at at that point, but if he keeps going, you got to keep rolling with the guy, right? Like Kikuchi go to the bullpen for a bit, man. Like we got a guy that's getting outs for us right now. Uh, We know we promised you something here with the big ticket that we signed, but it's all about W's and you know, I could see a scenario where, where maybe that keeps happening. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I I don't see why not. I'm definitely pleasantly surprised by Castillo. His stuff is looking pretty good, pretty sharp. He's got decent velocity. He's got decent off-speed stuff as well. And it's a refreshing change to just see a guy come in in that situation as your sort of fifth starter back end of the rotation type and just come in and throw strikes and, and, and attack and not be – a guy who knows what's going on with Kikuchi between the ears. Like I'm sure there's more than meets the eye there. He's in his own head, a lot of tinkering, a lot of moving parts, and it can just be spectacular at times. And then obviously awful plenty of the time as well. Casio just comes in, executes, gets it done. It's not going to blow your socks off, but like he strikes me as somebody who can give you five quality innings, which is valuable. The problem is right now, like with him, stripling, like that's a little bit too much five and dive for my liking. And it all, we talked about this last week, it all feeds into itself. When you have guys who struggle to give you more than five innings puts more pressure on the bullpen and, uh, you know, time is a flat circle, the bullpen with more on their plate is not going to go great. And then it just puts more pressure that the offense needs to hang crooked numbers so you don't have to necessarily you know go to your bullpen earlier maybe you can push your starter a little bit more with more of a cushion it's all interconnected right now and right now nothing is really kind of separating itself in a positive sense but I will say I was very intrigued by Castillo he kind of got screwed a little bit at the end of his outing like I know his control eluded him a bit but he probably deserved a slightly better fate than he ended up getting giving up the three earned runs so Definitely going to be encouraged. I think his next start will line up against the Royals, which seems like it'd be a good matchup for him. And yeah, you roll with it. You don't have much in in the way of other ready-made options. And it is uh, a pleasant surprise, a nice story that somebody in this position can come up through the minor league system and emerge potentially as somebody that you can trust and, and give the ball to in the rotation for the big club.
0: Yeah, five and dive isn't always great, but it's better than two and dive Yes, uh, that we were getting from uh, Yusei Kikuchi every five days. So there's that uh, going for the Blue Jays. But uh, yeah, Castillo has been a nice surprise. You know, in order to have successful seasons, you need uh, players to come up that you were not expecting to contribute. And he definitely has so far in uh, numerous roles. He's looked really, really good. But, uh, you know, maybe the league adjusts to him to get more tape. see him a couple more times and maybe things uh, change but you just got to keep rolling with him uh, at this point so it does seem as well like Danny Jansen is uh, getting close to a return Uh, saw some nice video of uh, Danny down in Buffalo still swinging a hot bat so uh, you know maybe that finger's feeling good and he hasn't you know lost too much uh, despite all the time that he has missed so far uh, this season but you know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and I think we're started starting to creep that way and You know, the error aside for Gabby Moreno dropping that pop up, I I just think, you know, we were probably going to see a situation where he was going to go back down. I think it's pretty evident he needs more seasoning needs to play every day. Um, you know, we see some ABs where he does look a little bit overmatched, um, at times, um, he did have some nice bats as well, where he's able to, you know, get some hits to right field with a, a two strike count, but you know, Danny Jansen coming back up, I think is going to be a, a big boon for this team, for the pitching staff as well. Um, and I think that's probably where we're headed, where we're headed. Maybe it happens as early as Tuesday, but I, I would figure sometime this week, uh, we'll see Danny Jansen back and Gabby Moreno back in AAA.
1: Yeah, I think, probably Tuesday Jansen looks ready to go and Danny Jansen's not going to magically fix everything, but he's just a, he's a proven option right now, a more dependable option than Moreno, who I think still is sitting only on one extra base hit in his career, which was a hustle double. So like, that was a concern is, you know, is the power going to be there? Is the power going to be there? I'm not saying that it's not, but so far, you know, that, if you were concerned about that, that has certainly held up. He hasn't really shown much, of a consistent line drive fly ball type of prowess in his offensive game. It's been a lot of grounder, slap slap hitting either way. He's got a good eye. And I, I, I do think that there is going to be a lot of positive moments for him going forward, but yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see Danny Jansen back as, you know, an unabashed Danny Jansen supporter. I think he will really help in a lot of different respects for this ball club. He gives you quality at bat. I do think that, his presence behind the plate will help. I think Moreno has looked again, error aside, like you said, there's been some moments where I think his youth has shown and Danny Jansen will just help in that sense where you just feel that steadying hand back there, as opposed to a 20 a young twenties rookie, you've got somebody who's been here for a couple of years that has some familiar familiarity with the staff. And I think that's going to matter.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely uh, have to see where things go on that front. But uh, nice to have Danny Jansen back in the fold sooner rather than later. The uh, final news of this week and great news, obviously, for uh, the Blue Jays, sending four All-Stars to the All-Star game. George Springer, Alec Manoa added – as reserves after Alejandro Kirk and Vladimir Guerrero jr. Were voted in as starters, Uh, Manoa, no surprise Josh with the season that he's had, you know, I think everybody pegged him Springer. I was a little bit surprised uh, to be honest. I mean, he's been on a really rough go of late. So the numbers, you know, have definitely gotten a little bit worse, but just seems to be bad timing as well. He he did say prior to the game, or I guess the, the quote was used that, you know, he's still thinking about whether he's going to go or not, because he's obviously dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, general soreness at this point. I think the Blue Jays are probably hoping that he takes the weekend off as opposed to um, actually take part, but still really impressive to have four all-stars headed out there. And, you know, we talked a a lot about Alejandro Kirk and, you know, the fact that the Blue Jays signed this guy for 30 K and now he's an all-star. You know, same with Alec Manoa, a guy that, uh, yeah, he's a first-round pick, but another person, another pitcher that was developed in this system and has become an all-star just a few years after getting drafted. Like, who would have thought three years ago uh, the 11th overall pick is headed to his first all-star game?
1: Yeah, what a great story. He's been such a blast to watch. Like, it was jarring to see him kind of struggle against Oakland because he's just been so consistent and so great. Basically, from the get-go, and he bounced back and was – like I understand he made one mistake to Carlos Santana, but otherwise was dominant and and virtually unhittable, tough to square up, gave them everything and more. And, you know, the way things are going, just wasn't able uh, to get any support, but very, very deserving. Like Kevin Gosman, I believe is tied for the major league lead in war from Fangrass. Like he's been excellent, certainly could have gone. I know he's battling that ankle injury right now and hopefully he's back soon, but I feel like four representatives is a fine number. Some people would probably like, well, they deserve zero. I understand (laughs) with the way that they're playing. I I sort of get that, but I agree on Springer he is a borderline case, honestly. And I hope he doesn't go because yeah, I don't know if it's the elbow or what have you, but he just looks like he's grinding right now. And, and I think the offensive struggles probably are part and parcel with the elbow that has to be playing a factor. And it just, like we're at the point of the season where I think the break is coming at a really nice time for every team, for every player, to some extent. Uh, especially for the Jays scuffling the the way that they are and and Springer in particular looking like he's a bit nicked up, battered and bruised. So I hope that he does decide to not go and takes the uh, couple of days to rest and recover and be closer to nobody's going to be 100% after this much of the season, closer to 100% uh, than he is right now.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be nice for uh, Springer to get some time off when mind Vladdy getting some time off. He's obviously not participating in the home run derby, which was a a conscious decision. But, you know, I guess the good part about the all star game is you get a couple of bats and then you just sit down for the rest of the game. It's not like you're out there really grinding. It's not the most, you know, physically demanding game. Um, you've ever played in. But it, yeah, just for where the Blue Jays are at um, with the struggles they've had and some of these guys being banged up, it's probably better that they just take it easy uh, after uh, this week against the Phillies and Royals and just uh, reset and come back fresh for the second half. All right, let's get to listener questions for the week. As always, you can get us at DFA underscore pod at Rob wong 34 and at Goldberg 12 uh, Here's one from our buddy Garth. We haven't really talked too much about Bo, who uh, had a couple of nice homers this past week. One was a game winner, if you will, against Oakland. Um, One looked to be a nice one against the Mariners, but uh, not so much. Uh, But anyways, uh, interesting to see from Kayla McGrath of uh, The Athletic and, of course, Spin Ray Pod. uh, She tweeted after Bo's homer that 14 of his home runs this season, of 14 of those home runs, uh, sorry, of the 14 homers, nine have either been game-tying or go-ahead shots for the Blue Jays Mm -hmm. this year, um, and that Bichette remains uh, pretty clutch. Now, I would counter to that. Uh, If he was so clutch, why doesn't he just do it all the time instead of uh, nine of the 14? (laughs) He's also come up in some pretty big spots this year and has not delivered um, at all. Um, But, you know, the conversation here that Garth throws out there is, you know, he's basically been a league average hitter this year, and uh, his defense, a minus-six defensive run saved this year doesn't see a massive long-term deal in his future if he is the player that we see in uh, 22. And uh, look, I would agree with that. If this is Bo you don't feel great about giving this guy uh, a big money deal, but we have to look at the totality of what he has done. And, you know, we talked about underperformers. I think we can all agree this year Bo has underperformed and you look at his previous seasons, you know, even go back to last year, he was a five, Win player, according to Fangraphs, as a 23-year-old. And you always say it, progression is not always linear. You're going to have some spike seasons, and you're going to have some seasons where maybe you aren't as good. But, you know, I don't think Bo Bichette is a league average hitter. Maybe he is, you know, maybe a slightly below average defender. I guess it depends on what metrics you look at. But, you know, this to me is not who he really is. Um, maybe he's a slightly better hitter. Like we saw the last couple of seasons, you know, 120, 122, uh, WRC plus is where he was at, which is definitely, you know, not uh, anything to, uh, you know, shake a stick at. That's very good production. But, you know, I think right now we're looking at sort of the floor of Bo We all know that there's more in there for this guy to give.
1: Yeah, I, I have said this early in the season when he's really struggling and I'll continue to say it like, yeah, I don't think he's this MVP player that I think some people at at points have thought he was going to be like, I remember there was a, well, Vlad, uh, Bo's the better long-term bet than Vladdy. And I think some of that was well, he plays shortstop and, you know, conditioning, you know, how's Vladdy going to age, that sort of thing. I, I, you know, there, I still think that they should both be integral parts of what goes on here well into the future, but like Bo's floor is low because they're swing and miss. And sometimes, you know, when he's not making contact, there can be some real lean periods some valleys, but his contact skills are still very good that he can get red hot. We saw that happen. You know, what was it? May, May, June-ish. And right now he's back in kind of the doldrums a little bit and he'll get hot again. And like, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's a league average player. Is his long, long long-term home shortstop. Maybe not, Probably not, but I think for the immediate future, he's still going to play shortstop. And you know, like are, are, they're not trading him anytime soon. Like that's not happening. I think you just live it, live with him as he is. And he's not going to suddenly morph into a radically different player. I think this is just at his core, what he is, who he is. And that's prone to ups and downs. And you just got to take him. And the the downs are going to be frustrating, but the ups are going to be ve- like exhilarating thrill rides, very great and great for the team and not just is what it is. He is, he is who he is. And I still maintain that who he is, is a very good player.
0: So I think one thing that is, you know, sort of interesting to me is the fact that he continues to hit second uh, in this lineup. And we did see it last year when the blue Jays shook things up, he ended up uh, going to bad cleanup for a stretch last year. And, you know, trying to look at the numbers here, I think he was actually pretty decent, Um, as a cleanup hitter yeah at a 136 WRC plus last year as the uh, cleanup hitter for the Blue Jays now it uh, was you know a 51 game stretch so it was not uh, a small sample necessarily for at least a season goes but have you been surprised to just He's been cemented in that two spot, you know, come hell or high water, like yeah. he's just in there. I'm, I've am i been a little bit surprised yeah. that they haven't moved him down. I I mean, the Blue Jays obviously have a reason for why he's there, but I'm surprised that, you know, Alejandro Kirk hasn't been given some opportunities there, especially when he was rolling you know, the Vladdy thing, uh, we would all love to see it, but just from all accounts, he's not super comfortable batting second. He would prefer to bat third, but I I have been surprised that, you know, Bichette has been just cemented in that two hole and the Blue Jays just haven't been very willing to to make a move uh, for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. Somewhat surprised. I guess it does sort of speak to the dearth of options a little bit. Like I agree, Kirk, when he's going would work there, like I understand that, Santiago Espinal was tried there towards the end of May, from what I recall, and we that quickly dissipated. We knew that that wasn't something that was going to really pan out over the long term. Like you're not going to put Lourdes there, right? That's not really, to me, a fit because he is a little bit prone to peaks and valleys as well, or certainly more than a little bit prone. Matt Chapman, you're not putting too, too much swing and miss. I think it speaks to... Probably there's just not that many great options right now. Like, do you want to move Springer out of leadoff? I suppose you could do that, but then who's leading off? So I think it speaks to that there's just some inconsistency in this lineup right now. Like, there's a lot of talent, but sometimes it just feels like they're missing that quite type of hitter that would allow everything to fit into place a little bit better. Like, if they go out and acquire somebody like a Josh Bell, like, does that allow the puzzle pieces to fit a little bit better perhaps, but sometimes it just feels like they're missing that. I don't know what in the order hitter that would allow everything to work a little bit, but it, it just seems like almost out of necessity or a lack of anything else. Like that's where Bo's going to hit because just like who else is going to hit there. There's no short of completely taking a sledgeham sledgehammer to the lineup, which I suppose you could do. Yeah. Maybe you should do, uh, <laughs> That that's really where it stands. That's where I feel like the situation sort of lies.
0: Yeah, I mean, Vladdy could have been that guy. Um, that's the optimal spot I think for him in this lineup, mm-hmm. but uh, just not interested in the batting second. For uh, whatever reason, even though we've seen him hit there before and he was fine. But, uh, you know, just from uh, what I've heard people say he's just not super comfortable there for whatever reason. Uh, getting one here from uh, K2 Tran on Twitter. Uh, hypothetical trade scenario uh, with your buddy David Bednar from Pittsburgh. You know, you know, this one is a little too extreme for me, but I just kind of want to have the conversation as to why we think it's extreme. Uh, he says, Kirk Groshans and either Gurriel or Hernandez for David Bednar, Jose Quintana and Brian Reynolds, who says no, Uh, the Blue Jays definitely say no. They're not trading their all-star catcher and uh, two thirds or no, uh, you know, one of their outfielders, uh, but two regulars, you know, Jordan Groshans, I I think he's probably one of the prospects that, you know, we could see on the move here for, for an impact player at the trade deadline. But, you know, the reason I think the Blue Jays say no is, you know, Barring, you know, someone that's so much better, whether it's a Shohei Otani. I know, you know, the Juan Soto talk was going on for a while there. And, you know, I'd probably move um, some, you know, major league roster players for him, to be honest. But I think overall, you're just making your team, you know, weaker. Uh, by moving a Kirk, by moving a Guriel, with the way he's going right now, and even say Oscar, who, you know, has his peaks and valleys, you're trying to win now. And, you know, unless you're getting substantial upgrades, you know, moving major league roster players for, you know, no offense to David Bednar, who would look great here for a bullpen piece, a back-end starter, and Brian Reynolds, who is, is he better than Lawrence Guriel Jr. right now? Like, I know he's a switch hitter, so he adds a little bit different, but he's having a down season after a great season a year ago. Uh, But just in general, like, I don't see the Blue Jays moving players, everyday players off their MLB roster at the deadline here.
1: Yeah, that doesn't move the needle all that much for me. And Brian Reynolds is hurt now. So, you know, that's probably puts the kibosh on him getting traded. I I don't think Pittsburgh's trading either of those guys based on what, you know, looks like is out there. They want to hold on to those guys, at least for now. And yeah, I, I subtracting Kirk and whoever else, it has to be the right fit. And as much as I like Bednar and as much as Reynolds can be an impact player, I, I just, I, is the net gain really that huge that you're that much of a better team? And I think that the answer is probably no. So it, it has to be the right fit for major league talent to be subtracted off the roster. And realistically, I don't think that that is quite. The right deal uh, for that to happen. And I agree with you. It's more prospect for major league talent, and you figure out how to shuffle around the deck chairs to make it all work. But I would be surprised if they're trading, you know, Teos or Hernandez or Lourdes or Kirk or anyone of that sort in season this year.
0: Uh, unless it's Shohei Otani, then you just give them whatever yeah. they want. Whatever. Yeah. Everybody except Vladdy. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah, maybe not. No. <laughs> 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 I would okay well at least I guess we have different lists but for me yeah it's probably Vladdy uh probably Bo and Alec Manoa uh, you can take anybody else uh, to be honest with you for Shohei Otani just for uh, the scenes the vibes like I, I think I'd be down for that just to watch a season and a half of Shohei Otani uh, do his thing as a Blue Jay I think would be pretty incredible uh let's get one more here uh Robert Uh, tweets us says is it time to be creative most teams play copycat jays would be unique if they use relievers for more than an inning if they are going well every change is a crapshoot and uh, jays have seen enough crap uh, which is a good way to put it you know, there's still teams out there that do do it, you know, where they have multi-inning relievers like uh, Colin McHugh, for example, you know, the Blue Jays have been trying to do it recently with Adam Simber and uh, it worked in Oakland, but uh, did not work in Seattle where he uh, threw a meatball up in the zone to uh, Carlos Santana. But, you know, I understand Robert's point that, you know, I think a lot of people would like to see this more when, you know, a guy comes out and throws, 10 pitches a reliever why not bring them back out for another inning because you know then yeah you're rolling the dice with maybe another guy who just doesn't have it that day um we kind of saw it there with uh, Tim Mesa. um you know uh it just sometimes the guys have it and sometimes they don't um but yeah the the Blue Jays it just goes back to the bullpen they're just not really in a spot where I think they want to extend guys too much just because they've used them so often and I know they were well rested coming into yesterday's game but you know, this is just a bullpen that, you know, you just want to put them in the best possible situations. And there's probably some moments where it doesn't make sense to extend guys through an extra inning to have them face a different part of the order. The, the Blue Jays are trying to schedule this and map it out so that, you know, they put the best guys in the best spots.
1: Yeah. I, I'm open to anything of that sort. If it, if it works, like if you feel somebody on a particular day has it and you want to push them for a second inning, that's great. And if you have a deep bullpen, like you can get away with that. Look, look at Michael King with the Yankees. He's been a moneymaker. He's really the only guy that they consistently do that with. And it's hard to replicate guys like that. I, I don't even really know how that happens. It's just the Jays just haven't found a way. That's what Nate Pearson, that's what we all thought Nate Pearson was supposed to be this year. And you look at what Matt Brash did. Uh, coming back up yeah he was a little inefficient but not 99 100 wipeout slider you know that'd be good in the Blue Jays bullpen and just Nate Pearson hasn't been able uh, to stay healthy and to me the ideal situation for him this year after the initial you know mononucleosis situation was that he could come up and be that guy and now who knows so Right now, there's not a lot of guys that I would want for more than three outs. There's not that many guys that I even would want for three outs in the current configuration of the Blue Jays bullpen. So I think it's more just about personnel uh, than anything else. I'm open to it if you have the right guys, the right type of pitcher who can be pressed for five or six outs or something like that. But right now, there's just not a lot uh, that would make you feel great about anybody being used for more than the traditional three outs or less.
0: Yeah, maybe the Blue Jays do go out there and get someone that can do it. But, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point. They're they're just happy to get any upgrades and especially ones that can miss some bats. But uh, we'll see. Uh, As we said before, geez, just make some trades so that we can stop talking about this and we can talk about the players coming in and how they can actually affect this ball club for the better. Let's wrap things up with our Teoskers for our player of the week, not a ton of candidates. Obviously, when you go one and seven, there aren't a, a ton of positives going around on the team. But uh, we've got three this week: Matt Chapman, he had two homers in Oakland, uh, one forty-six WRC plus over the last week. Uh, Max Castillo for his uh, great role in uh, Seattle, showing out, giving up uh, two earned runs over seven and a third innings. And Beau Bichette with some big homers over the past week as well. Who is your Teoscar? going to this week Josh
1: I'm going off the board here this is probably hopefully the first and only time I do it nobody nobody gets oh, it this week oh wow we have no winner nobody deserves it I had like some some nice performances some nice moments but when you have just a fucking train wreck of a week uh like they did on the field and you know like um, extenuating circumstances still a tragic event happened no doubt but you know we're talking just nuts and bolts on the field nobody played Particularly well, not a good enough performance for me to really tip my cap and say, like, you did a great job. Everyone wears it, regardless of ups and downs. When you play that bad, it's just a total team calamity. So hopefully for the only time. Nobody gets a Oscar this week for me.
0: Wow. Just uh, not even having the award show, just uh, shutting it down yeah. before it even gets going. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I'll go with Max Castillo. I'll uh, keep things going. Uh, a nice surprise this weekend. And uh, boy, uh, I know they lost all four games, but who knows where the Blue Jays would have been yeah. had uh, Max Castillo not come into these games. Maybe they just wouldn't have had any chance Uh, Whatsoever, but uh, he's been so, so impressive. Might be the only time we uh, give him a Teoscar, but uh, well deserved by uh, Maximum Castillo over this past weekend against the Seattle. Mariners. All right, an off day for the Blue Jays. Hopefully, they uh, turn the ship around beginning Tuesday against the Philadelphia Phillies, who will not have some uh, players because of the uh, vaccine mandate, of course. They'll not have uh, JT Real Muto, Alec Baum. Uh, Aaron Nola was supposed to pitch on Tuesday, but uh, he got flipped to Monday, so it'll be a bullpen game on Tuesday in the series opener. And Zach Wheeler, who is uh, freaking good, will have to face the Blue Jays on Wednesday. So they'll be in tough as they uh, try to get things going against the Phillies and then the Royals later this week as always you can reach us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong 34 and at g Goldberg 12 for Josh I'm Rob we'll talk to you in a week's time